0: You know, pregnancy was really hard, and then the birth was quite traumatic as well, so that was a bit challenging. Um, and then now I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm breastfeeding, so I'm like, I have to eat, I have to be good about these things. And if I get stressed, you know, that can affect a lot of different things. So I try and really maintain my mental health. Um, and also, like in the future, I don't, I don't want my son to grow up and be like, oh, mom has to, you know, do this or that, or like, and kind of impart those worries and anxieties about food, or body image onto him. Like, I want to be a good example and um, help break that cycle, kind of thing.
1: You know, sometimes when I tell people, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, if somebody asks, like, oh, like, why are you feeling anxious about something such? They're like, oh, well, actually, I'm eating disorder, like, and as soon as I say that, I always have to say, don't be weird about it. I'm fine, everything's okay, but it's like,
2: please don't make this the only thing you think of when you see me. Brittany and Haley Barnard are twins. While they have very different personalities, they have one shared experience. They are both living with an eating disorder. Diagnosed with anorexia in their teens, the years have since been a whirlwind of treatments and clinics for the sisters. But the twins are living proof there is hope and freedom after an eating disorder, even if the fight is never fully over. I guess just to start off with, can you tell me uh, a little bit about your growing up years and whether there are any major challenges along the way? Hayley, would you like to start?
1: Um, sure thing, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, pretty normal household, I guess. Like, our parents were divorced, um, but I guess I mean, that was just, like, our normal. So it's not like a, a huge deal um, in, like, the, the life situation. Uh, we moved, yeah, to Echuga, and that was, I think, quite difficult, you know, a little bit in high school and you know, with late primary school, so that
2: wasn't ideal. Um, and Brittany, what about you?
0: We moved around quite a lot, um, even if it was just in Shepparton and Chuka, like moved house probably 10 times at least and all that kind of thing, so that was a little bit um, challenging and didn't really give a good stability at home, um, which isn't really anyone's fault, but yeah, and then with the divorce and stuff, um, from quite a young age I had some pretty severe anxiety and panic attacks, so that was challenging as a child and not really knowing what was going on and... Um, took medication and saw a psychologist and stuff so I sort of got into that um, mental health system quite early which is a blessing and a curse because it's kind of like oh who am I without my mental illness Um, but yeah and then sort of high school got bullied and you know.
2: So uh, when did you first realize you were living with an eating disorder?
0: Um, So early high school I was struggling with depression and you know I mean I didn't really know what it was but I was just Really sad and really angry all the time. So um, in year seven, I went and saw our school chaplain and was like, "Please help me. I don't know what's going on." And we sort of talked and stuff, and that was really good. And she called my mum, and was like, "Probably need to take to the doctor and get some help for this because this is, you know, a bit out of my um, zone." So I saw my doctor and was diagnosed with depression and sort of, you know, on and off medication and seeing psychologists and stuff. And you know, it was fine. It just sort of felt like. It wasn't particularly meaningful. It was just like, this is what you do because, you know, like with the anxiety earlier, it was like, okay, you take the tablets, you go to the thing and then happy days. Um, and then it wasn't until I was maybe 16. I I don't really know how it came about, but it just sort of was, you know, between that sort of 12, 13 to 15, 16, I, you know, depression kind of got it worse, like bullying, school, like pressures at school and stuff. Um, and, yeah, just, you know self-harm and things like that so I think it was almost a little bit of a another self-harm mechanism like you know when you hate someone and you're like oh everything they do is really annoying and I just like hate them even more and more and you just get annoyed um yeah it wasn't really like oh you know I hate myself it was just like became one more thing to focus on to to I guess release that anger um so yeah I was seeing a psychologist at the time and was like oh I think I need some help
2: (laughs) and Hayley what about you (laughs) I don't really know. I mean, like, it's
1: hard to, you know, sort of pinpoint the, the day where I woke up and realised that I had eating
0: disorder. I mean, I guess it's something that was always sort of
1: um, there, like, you know, sort of, yeah, like, it younger. It kind of develops
0: over time, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, kind of like, um, you know, early high school sort of thing, um, you know, not feeling super confident and stuff like that and just sort of, I guess, yeah, you know, it kind of manifested into – Um, the eating disorder of sort of, you know, like a way to like manage my anxiety, I guess. Um, I sort of feel like I have like a little bit of control. I Yeah, like it's really hard, I think. And it's a very common story with other people that I know with eating disorders, that like it's hard to know like where the eating sort of starts and where you end. Like, you know, you can't really imagine your life without it because it's been there for so long and it sort of feels like it's part of you. So it's kind of hard to, yeah, really like pinpoint and say like, this is what I I knew or that I knew things were bad like you kind of you always kind of know that it's not uh healthy or not the best thing for you to be doing but you kind of kind of do it anyway
2: yeah so Brittany for you from that moment you went to see your psychologist and said look I think this is something what happened from there
0: yeah so I went and saw her and um didn't really want help but I was like pretty unwell and I was quite worried that like I would die in class like I would just pass out or something and my heart would stop and I was like that would be really inconvenient so yeah I sort of said I think I you know might have an eating disorder and she um, asked me a few questions and was like look maybe we'll call your GP and maybe call your mum and we'll sort of talk things over and then um yeah I think I saw my GP and he did some physical um and asked me some more questions, and had a few more meetings with mom and everything. And I had to go to Bendigo and got a diagnosis after they sort of talked to mom and talked to me and my psychologist and psychiatrist and stuff. And then um, at that point, they kind of were like, "Oh, Haley's like a little bit the same with this," and were like, "Oh, maybe that's something we should have a bit of a look at too." How did you
2: feel when you got that diagnosis?
0: And it sounded really bad, but it was almost a little bit validating, like, oh, someone's finally noticing that I'm, you know, sick. Because, like, the whole time, I was like, I know I'm getting really sick.
2: And Haley, what about you? Um, you said it, it kind of happened gradually. When did you first seek professional help? Um,
1: So I, like didn't really seek professional help until I was like, uh, I guess like 20 um, and sort of had, yeah, like sort of like relapsed a little bit. Cause like things had been managing quite well um, when I moved to Melbourne. Um, but yeah, like after I moved out of college, sort of had like a pretty severe relapse and told my psychologist and she encouraged me to speak to my GP. Um, and then he was, you know, he was pretty on top of it with like, you know, looking for treatment
2: options in Melbourne. So, what happened from there, and like, how is your journey of healing kind of unfolded from there?
1: Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, after sort of seeing my GP and doing yeah, like a few like blood tests and stuff like that, and like chatting with him, chatting with the psychologist, and sort of coming together with like a bit of a plan, um, I ended up doing a day program, um, for like a full time day program. So that's where you go into um, like a treatment setting for like basically like nine to like three thirty four four-ish uh, all day, every day, Monday to Friday um, for like three months. So I started that in September uh, until November. Mm. And, and that was good at the time. Like it was definitely something that I needed to do, um, you know, to have that like really high amount of support, meal support, having clinicians see me every day make sure that I'm following a meal plan and stuff like that. But it was really hard to prioritize that when I had to, you know, I had to put my study on pretty much on hold, you know, I couldn't see any of my friends um, because I was in treatment all day, every day, and I really hated that. Um, I ended up spending, like, a week in, like, a short, you know, inpatient stay while I was doing that day program as well, um, just sort of, like, slipping towards exam period and stuff, you know, like, periods of, like, extended amount of stress tend to really uh, exacerbate the eating disorder. Um, Then, after that, I was, like, discharged and finished the day program up. Um, had a pretty fun summer and then, yeah, sort of had some more life. Um, I know what the word is, but like life just got a little bit jumbled up. You know, I had my house I moved out, some things just chased around and stuff like that. So um, that sort of caused another pretty severe relapse. Um, and So I was in contact with um, the hospital that I'd been doing the stay program at, because, you know, you have follow up appointments um, once you finish like a program like that just to. In touch, you so know, they sort of stay as part of your treatment team. Um, and they, you know, were made aware of like, hey, things are pretty bad, I'm not doing very well anymore. And so, I was put on a waiting list for an inpatient bed in April. Um, and had like a five month wait for a bed, mm-hmm. which is a very long time and it was uh, very difficult. But I mean, it was definitely great to be able to have that option. Um, so then I stayed, yeah, for a few weeks in inpatient and then was discharged again um at the end of the year or like yeah end of October sort of time um yeah and like I haven't been in inpatient system which is lovely um after I stayed in the yeah on the ward for a few weeks I did do another day program which I was pretty pretty against because I just felt like oh, well, I've already done this before like I've, I've done enough therapy like <laughs> you know keep your therapy to yourself sort of thing. Mm. Um, but it was very good to do that, to sort of, you know, have like a bit of a transition between uh, full-time support, which you have in like an inpatient setting to, you know, going straight back home into, you know, your own environment with like both of and just like, you know, a few friends here and there like checking in and stuff like that. But without like a real like clinical side of it, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult transition. So it was good to have the day program and sort of stay accountable for at least you know, those three meals while I was there. Um, and then after that, I did an art therapy program for like a couple months, which was really good. Um, and in sort of Victoria, I also have a really great mentoring program, which I participated in with a mentor who is someone with, a, with experience of eating disorder just, you know, recovered, is doing really well. And I think that was really great as well to help me, I guess, see that, you know, people can recover and they do recover if they do live, really fulfilling and happy lives. Um, so that program was great. Like, I'm so glad that I did that one. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I guess since then, you know, things have been pretty stable for the past year or so. Um,
2: and, Brittany, what about you, your journey in the past few years?
0: Um, so, yeah, after, like, after that period in high school, um, like Hayley sort of touched on, the treatment we sort of got wasn't very... Um, meaningful it was kind of like okay your weight restored and like my psychologist at the time went on maternity leave and they kind of discharged me from a service and was like all right good luck see you later your weight restored so you're all good um saw a few psychologists here and there and then um in 2016 I was living in Melbourne and going to university and it just got really stressful and I was like okay I'm not doing well I went and saw the um like, counsellor at the university and they were like, oh, maybe see the psychologist. So I saw a psychologist a couple of times and didn't really feel like I was getting anywhere with her and I was sort of um, increasing those um, poor coping mechanisms like self-harm and drinking and um, mismanaging medication and stuff like that. And um, my housemates had taken me to the hospital one night after an overdose and the next day I saw a psychologist and they were like, okay you need a psychiatrist. And I saw a psychiatrist and she diagnosed me with BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. And at the time I was like, what is this? Like, I didn't know anyone with this disorder. It didn't make sense to me. And she didn't really explain it in a way that was meaningful either. She was just like, so you're not quite schizophrenic. You're not quite bipolar. So we just call it borderline. And I was like, man, that's not helpful. So it sort of continued on with that, um, you know, negative coping mechanisms but with like yeah kind of just thinking oh I'm just crazy and you know it's never going to get better and stuff like that and then um it's kind of cheesy but like I met my husband so to speak and I feel like like kind of attracts like so a lot of my circles are sort of kindred spirits as well who've experienced mental illness and stuff like that so you kind of not in a bad way but you kind of normalize those behaviors and so it's like oh okay like whatever and then, so I met my husband, who doesn't really have an experience with people with mental illness. And he was like, "What the heck? Like, that is, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this is fine. This is just regular." And he's like, "No, nah, that's not regular." Um. So at the end of that year, I moved back to Shepparton, and um, I was kind of okay for a couple of months, but then I was there was pressures like to get work and um, money and stuff. So. I, yeah, wasn't doing well. I went and saw my GP and was like, can you please get me in touch with someone to help me? And I, um, yeah, I went and uh, saw a psychiatrist in the hospital and they um, were a little bit helpful. And then I had to have a park stay. That's a um, prevention and recovery place here in Shepparton and stayed there for a week. And I got a case manager out of that who put me in with the MBT group therapy program for people with BPD. And that was just instrumental to my healing and really, kind of like Haley said, helped me challenge those automatic thinkings and stuff and really helped me understand um, what my disorder meant and what it meant for me and how I could, like, how to separate myself from my disorder being like, oh, you know, it's just me. It's like, hang on, that's not me. That's just what I've learned from, you know, previous trauma and stuff like that. And I sort of was able to uncover that maybe my eating disorder and other things were perhaps more just a reflection of this underlying diagnosis that probably could have been picked up years ago, to be honest.
2: So from then till now, what's what's been your journey since then?
0: I did have a bit of an eating disorder relapse um, in the end of 2018, just more, I think I was like in a period of high stress, like I wasn't really um, helping myself and it kind of became a way to, like Hayley sort of mentioned, like gain some control in my life and – became hyper fixated on, um, some things like at the gym and stuff. So I was over exercising and under eating. And, um, what pulled me up was my main, cause I was like, why am I running time so slow? Like, this isn't very good. Like I'm getting worse. I should be getting better. And it was obviously because my body was cannibalizing itself. So I was like, okay, I'm going to eat more and try and put more weight on so I can run better, <laughs> which is kind of like silly because obviously the running was like a bit part of the eating disorder. Um, But yeah, so I started doing it. I started seeing improvements and, you know, feeling better, not feeling so angry and sad and horrible all the time. And I was like, oh, this is actually good. And I feel more confident in myself and I don't feel so depressed. And wow, maybe I'll just keep doing that. So um, yeah, since then I finished the group therapy and um, yeah, seeing some psychologists and and just keeping in touch with my care team, like that's really important. To um, find professionals that you like to work with, who understand you and can help you change. Um, recovery is always a continuing process as well. Like, there's life always gives you different kind of challenges, and so even if you think, like, "Oh, I'm all good," and then something can happen. You're like, "Whoa, I'm, you know, struggling a little bit again." Like, it's okay to go back and ask for help even if you think oh I should be better oh you know this was something I was dealing with when I was a teenager like I should be okay
1: yeah like I should be better by now like I've mm. been in treatment for so long or whatever it's very easy to get impatient
2: so what would you say has kept each of you going throughout the years Hayley
1: you can um, begin I think- I want to do in life you know like I want to go and have fun I want to um, you know like I kind of hate traveling but like I want to be able to travel and like not uh be worrying about how I'm looking or what I'm eating or I want to like go places you know like when I was really unwell like I missed out on so many things like it was sort of the year that every all my friends turned 21 and I missed out on probably 90% of the 21st just like you get to a point where you're just sick of being stuck in the same place, you know, like it's so much fun. And it's so nice to feel better. Like you th- you feel like you don't you're not gonna feel better for a long time. Like honestly, recovery is hard and it sucks. Um but it's really nice when you see changes in yourself that you never thought that you would see. Like uh I was talking for the other day about the the first time that I went to a cafe with a friend and like I just show something off the menu like whatever went on with our day and the food came out and it's like oh my god I didn't even I didn't even think about this I didn't even look at the menu before we got here like I didn't even you know uh, alter the the you know options swap out anything or get you know take this off or add this um it was just like wow oh my god like look at me go especially like some of the long-term health implications of like having an eating disorder you know like I have had um like a lot of loss in my bone density so like my nana actually has better bone density than me at the moment um but you know like over the you know you sort of get a bone scan every couple of years um and like being able to see the progress like the improvement in my bone density is like a really nice metric you know like, i don't want to be 25 and have osteoporosis you know i don't want to be sick anymore i don't want to like be worried about dying of a heart attack at 25 like that is it's such an awful life to be living, to just be sick all the time. My, uh, my psych, she loves to say, and I, you know, you're going to feel terrible either way. You're going to feel terrible if you do the right thing by your body. Or you're going to feel terrible if you stay unwell. But you
2: may as well feel terrible doing the right thing. And Brittany, what about you? What, what's kept you going?
0: Uh, like I said, definitely my husband who was like, you need to get help because you've got a problem. And then... Um, Yeah, I fell pregnant and was like, ooh, I've got a chicken to look after. So I sort of, you know, pregnancy was really hard and then the birth was quite traumatic as well, so that was a bit challenging. Um, And then now I'm like, well, you know, I'm breastfeeding, so I'm like, I have to eat and I have to be good about these things. And if I get stressed, you know, that can affect a lot of different things. So I try and really maintain my mental health. Um, And also, like, in the future, I I don't want my son to grow up and be like, oh, mum has to, you know do this or that or, like, and kind of impart those worries and anxieties about food or body image onto him. Like, I want to be a good example and um, help break that cycle kind of thing. What do
2: you guys believe are some major misconceptions around eating disorders?
0: I
1: don't know if it's, like, like, uh, a misconception, but I think there tends to be a lot of focus on, you know, eating disorders being a, like, young like white girl problem um you know where they're like having a restrictive eating disorder you know and they lose a lot of weight and stuff like that um but i think yeah like it, it's very like almost never the case it's, that that is like you know the main demographic of people like i've you know spent time in eating sort of wards and there's been you know women up to like in their like 60s and 70s in these wards there's young men there's like older men there's um like it really affects everybody people who have come from like completely sort of normal backgrounds people who have had really hard times in life and like a lot of trauma and stuff like that and like comorbidities with like substance abuse and stuff like that and I think yeah a lot of the time the media focuses on you know restrictive eating disorders or being able to like see somebody with an eating disorder you know being able to look at them and tell oh that person has an eating disorder because they're really thin and it's like well that's very rarely the case a lot of people with eating disorders tend to have you know a normal like healthy looking body size
2: so in connection to that Brittany what would you say what language needs to be avoided
0: um definitely like comments on anyone's body first and foremost should not be um something as you know it can be quite triggering either to be like oh you've lost weight like why like I mean I have my baby and everyone's like, wow, you lost the weight so quick. And it's like, um, please don't come into my body. Like, I don't really need to hear that because like with my history, it can be like, it makes it sound like it's a good thing. And like, it you know, it isn't always the case. And, you know, you never know what else th- someone's got, like other medical complications and stuff like that that may cause weight loss or weight gain. Like it sort of makes it like that if you were to gain weight, oh, that's a bad thing. Um... But also, I think especially in terms of eating disorders, sometimes focusing on weight and BMI and all those kind of things can be quite triggering. Like, I know when I was really unwell in high school, I would really um, focus on that and I would, like, read um, stories and biographies and stuff like that of people who had eating disorders and, like, you would kind of look for those things to be like, oh, well, I, was, I weighed less than her or I ate less than that person or that kind of thing and you can kind of, like, really feel that um, – comparison and that sort of sick enough mentality they'd be like oh well if I just am this much um weigh this much less or whatever it's like then I'll finally be sick enough and then I'll finally you know whatever whatever.
2: So what are the best ways that people can support if they're thinking to themselves oh, I don't know what to say or do or what
0: what can they do? I think if you're coming from a place where you suspect somebody you know is struggling with their eating disorder like Courage, help-seeking is the biggest thing.
1: Hmm, I think, it's like, listening is really important too and, like,
2: listening, uh, like, and not just hearing, you know, like, listening, like, compassionately and openly and not being judgmental. And final question, what would each of you say to another person living with an eating disorder?
0: Um, definitely get help. Like, there's no... The sick-enough mentality is a lie. Like, if it's a problem for you, then it's a problem and you need to get help hard but like it gets so much better like you
1: just really have to stick at it and kind of like fake it till you make it a little bit and just like mechanically eat and like talk to mouth like just pretend that everything's fine and just try and like be normal for lack of a better word because like eventually that becomes your normal you know you rewire your neural pathways you create new habits and stop like the voice that you think is you but isn't actually you and it's just sort disorder like it quietens down and it it gets
2: easier If you need support for an eating disorder, call the Butterfly Foundation support line on 1800 334 673 or contact Eating Disorders Victoria on 1300 550 236. For other crisis and counselling services, call Lifeline Australia on 131 114, Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636, or Kids Helpline on 1800 551 800.